Wow. What a beautiful thing that our nation sets aside a day and time to honor those who've served us. Isn't that beautiful? Wonderful. All right. Well, we're going to have a fun morning together. How many of you guys like watching the Home and Garden Channel or do-it-yourself networks? Okay, how many of you can't stand those kind of channels? All right. Now, don't raise your hand if you can't stand them. Well, those who raise their hand, some of them are the guys that do it for a living. And uh, I enjoy those channels for sure. Not as much as do it yourself because I can't do much myself. Uh, but I like to watch the professionals do it. <laughs> and they do a great job. Uh, now, the food channel, I can't handle. I like food so much, I can't actually watch them do the food because I get hungry all the time. And so I'd just rather go to the restaurant and, and do my own show and eat it. So um, this morning we're going to have some fun here. Yeah, we can set stuff up right here. Bring out the box of, yeah, right there is great. Thank you. Um, we got, we got a few things to, to do ourselves this morning. Today I wanted to uh, continue in our series of, of taking things to the next level. And Matt, there should be a black cloth in there. Can you put it over like a tablecloth for me? Thank you. Um, as Pastor uh, Kevin and Sherry ha have uh, gone south to Nicaragua, and they're down there with uh, our missionaries, uh, uh, Carlos and Luis Garcia, and they'll be down there serving and ministering uh, for the next uh, while. And I heard Pastor Barry went over to Detroit. Is that right, Pastor Tammy? Yeah, so Pastor... Yeah, he, he, he's heading out, and uh, he's getting to watch a, a football game, uh, the Detroit Lions against the Cleveland Browns, I heard. I wonder who will win that one. Now, I'm not a gambling man, but I would, if I was, I'd put my money on the Detroit Lions, but maybe with Jody's heart, the Cleveland Browns will do something special today. There's a lot of laughter coming over. It's, it wasn't a joke, but it's like that. Well, uh, I am excited that uh, Pastor Kevin and Sherry do get to travel uh, down to Nicaragua and invest in that nation as they work with uh, Carlos. You know, our missionaries, they're not just spiritual superstars, although a lot of them are. A lot of them just need our care and our love because they're people like you and me. So when Pastor Kevin and Sherry and uh, uh, Pastor Ken Gill will be going down as well, a lot of times they just spend time ministering to the missionary and equipping and sowing into their life and marriage and blessing them so that their tanks and their boundaries are well set. And uh, because we know when they are blessed and healthy, their ministries around the world uh, continue. Uh, so pray, uh, remember them in your prayers as they travel in Nicaragua for the next few weeks, please. Uh, honor them in that way. Um, so today we're going to talk about taking life to the next level and learning to align our talk uh, with our walk. I got a few things here. I don't know what this is for, but I got, you know, it's really hard to cut wood with these things. You can do it, but it takes a long time. It makes that screechy sound. All right, I'm just going to get a few things out here. All right.
You know, in our, in our life, with Katrina and I, we've learned over the last 10 years that one of our core values as, as a couple and as a family is, is we choose to speak life. We call it life talk. And we've made a, a choice as a, as a couple that we only choose to open our mouth to speak life over each other and people and our children. That doesn't mean we don't have heated arguments, debate, disagreements, that kind of thing. Because that happens. So I'm not saying we don't have uh, challenging conversations. And I'm not saying we don't have to apologize sometimes for the things that I said or say. To my own children, I've had to apologize. said, you know, the way Dad said that, that was inappropriate. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That wasn't right. But at, at our core, we choose to believe because of God's goodness that when we speak, and if we're speaking on God's behalf, that we should speak good things. Because if God's a good father positivity and goodness should come out of our mouth. The scripture said, out of the mouth, what, 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 where does our words come from? What do the scriptures say? Out of the heart. So really, words are just a test of the heart. The heart is what goes first, but when the heart's good, the words are good. If your words are bad, your heart's bad. That's what the Bible says. So today, we want to learn how to take our words to the next level. And I don't know about you, but my primary love language in receiving is words of affirmation. Some people love other things like gifts and, uh, you know, yachts and jewelry and diamonds. Not me so much, you know. I like it when people say kind things. I, I, Katrina and I gave a, a small gift to uh, Pastor Kevin last year. And it was really cool. Before he flew out, he said, Mark, I just want to thank you for that gift. I really like it. I really enjoy it. And I want to thank you. It's a real blessing in my life. And I was like, wow, I feel so good right now. All he did is say thank you. It's funny how words have power to change someone. And here I am in my car all happy because someone said thank you. It felt great. It was honest. It wasn't lies. It wasn't flattery. He just told the truth. And the truth has power. Well, today we're going to work from Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible with you or on your electronic uh, device, we're going to work out of Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 1 with you. It says, I, Paul, Ephesians is uh, two-thirds of your scriptures in the New Testament. We like to joke. We like to challenge each other. Old Testament, New Testament. This is a New Testament one towards the end. I, Paul, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And I want to drench, uh, direct your attention to the word walk. Because today we're going to talk about the walk and the talk, both of them. Because you can't separate them. So here is Paul, and he's in prison. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's asking them, remember to walk your lifestyle out. Worthy of the calling that Jesus Christ has called you into. Now, how is our walk defined? A lot of it is by our attitude. A lot of our walk is defined how we treat people. A lot of our walk is defined about what comes out of our mouth. Because you can't separate the two. I don't know if you've ever met someone and they come up to you and they, they shake your hand like I do to Sarah's. And, but they're looking over your shoulder at the next person. Oh, it's great to see you. Great, okay, have a good weekend. You know, then they, it's like you've just been used. 
They're not, they don't care about you. They're, you're like a number. See, words are empty until your action backs them up. And we can all grow in both categories, our talk and our walk. So let's jump to Ephesians 4.29. This is one of my favorite life talk verses in the whole Bible. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The key word there that, I, that we're going to focus on in this verse says, let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth. So the first verse was talking about your walk. The 29th verse is talking about your words. And several times in Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about the choice of your words. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Edification is like building someone up. It's like a construction word. And that's why I brought some of these things out today is because... The Apostle Paul is trying to tell you something from prison that we have a choice. Now, he was in prison for his Christian faith. He could have cursed the jailer. He could have been mad at God and writing all these nasty letters. Instead, he starts speaking about how to walk with love and kindness from prison. So he was choosing to build the, Corinthian, or the, the, the Ephesus church up. So I'm going to put on this safety vest so that I don't break code and get fined. I didn't know you had to have a degree to put these on. Let's try that again. If I, if I might make a cultural comment, because you know I'm from the U.S., I'm American. I've never seen so many safety vests in my entire life until I came to Canada. Is it like an actual dress code here? Have you ever gone down the street and counted how many safety vests people wear? There's laws. Okay, like you go to Costco. Costco has safety vests, like an aisle. Like we don't, I don't think we have that in the States. People walk their dog, safety vest. Go to the mailbox, safety vest. Walk your baby, safety vest. Uh, ride your bike, safety vest. Uh, anything, you got to be safe in this country. You guys are really into safety. I, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I just kind of was like, wow. We should invest in, in safety vests and make some money. Of course, you got to wear your safety glasses for eye protection. All right, so let's just confirm what we're talking about here. This, let's, let's talk about relationships. So your walk plus your talk, when you add those two together, you're going to get a relationship. So when you interact with someone, how you carry yourself, your actions, plus how you talk to them, when you add those two things up, you have a relationship. We want to take our relationships to the next level. Let me put it a different way. The quality of your walk plus the quality of your talk equals the quality of the relationship. Does that make sense? Very simple. So how you interact with people and how you talk to them, the, the higher the level, the higher the quality, the higher of excellence, the better the relationship will be. Of course, the opposite is true. 
If you treat people negatively and you speak negatively, the quality of the relationship will decrease because you've lost connection and you've lost trust. When you act kindly to people and serve them, and when you speak kindly to them and use truthful words that build them up, you increase connection, you increase trust, and you increase the quality of the relationship. Now, there's several different items up here that I chose. And for instance, let's talk about our words. So this little piece of wood, this little shim here. Are you what 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 are your words like when you when you come and you meet someone? What kind of like sandpaper are you to them? Because, you know, sandpaper is good and bad. You know, if you've got that light touch, you know, people can handle that light touch. But have you ever been with someone when you meet them, it's just like, thank you. They didn't have one of those around. I didn't want to go buy one. Thank you, Ted. Words have the power to change people, but it depends on how you use them. It depends on the, you know, the number of your sandpaper. And I want you to think about how do people feel in your presence? Are they kind of like gritty? Like, ooh, I do not want to be around this person because I, they just, what do they say? They just rubbed me wrong. So what I did is I created a little list of words and descriptions that are both life talk and the opposite, which I call death talk. So let's go to that screen. And this is a good way to decide what you're bringing to the table in your relationships. Okay, so when you're with people, after they're with you, do they feel up emotionally or do they feel pushed down? Do they feel whole? And this is... Um, an interesting feeling when you feel whole. It's hard to describe, but do they feel acceptable for who they are when they're with you? Do they feel confused about who they are after talking to you? Or do they feel like, oh yeah, that's who I am. Anytime you speak to someone's identity in a positive way, they feel like a whole person. other words, they feel like they're known. When you come up to someone and you say their first name, you greet them, and you compliment them, all of a sudden they feel, I have value for who I am. You use their first name. Not until they, they are known do people even feel like they're sometimes even alive. They, feel, they can feel really depressed and, and, and segregated, but when you bring them in to a conversation and use their name, it changes. Or do they feel like a nobody? Do they feel encouraged or deflated after hanging out with you? A good place to start when you're well-rested and you have some time alone is ask your spouse, which categories do you tend to lean towards? Life talk or you have some room for growth? I don't suggest you do it right on the way to church. 
or when you're going over your financial budget for the month. I suggest you do it when you're both well-rested and you have a few moments to yourselves because certain things might come out. But you're just asking the question, aren't you? No one knows you like your closest friend or your spouse. You can't hide. God knows, and so does your family. Here, you can put on a, a mask here and pretend like everything's fine, but not at home. Not with, your, not with your family, not with your children, or not with your close friends. When you speak life, people feel like they have purpose again. They, they remember their purpose. They remember who they are and why they're here. Death talk, they feel like, why bother? It's pointless. There's no point to this thing called life. They're like, what's in it for me? All I'm going to do is work and try to make some money, pay the bills, and I guess that's it. You know, you meet people like that. They're just down in the dumps. They don't have any purpose to life. So when you speak life, you're giving them direction. One way to give direction to people is as you hear their stories or you see them in action, make sure to affirm the gifts and talents that you see in them. They'll go, oh, yeah, I'm good at that, aren't I? And all you have to do is speak it over them and say, oh, I noticed when you were with that person how well you handled that situation. You're really good at that. And they go, oh, yeah, that's part of who I am. That's one of my gifts. When you speak life, you feel like you're together and not alone. When there's no life talk around you, your mind goes to places that can be very dark and confusing. And you feel alone in life and you feel lonely. But if we go back to our primary verse in Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I never noticed that part where it says impart grace. So actually, when we speak life to each other, we're actually giving power to other people. Now, this extension cord here, exactly what this purpose of this is to take power from one place to another. So whether it's your Christmas lights or a power tool, this is a connection device. And you have to think of your words like connection advice. God is your power, and when you connect to him, you can go to other people and deliver power to them, and they can feel powerful. So when people are around you, do they feel more powerful or less powerful? Do they feel like, oh, man, I'm not as good as that person. I'll never be like that. Or do they walk away going, wow, that's cool. I think I can do this. I was uh, doing a fundraiser one time with an espresso cart that was mobile. And we had to go do a fundraiser in a park. The cool thing is we were the only ones that were giving the, uh, the, uh, the pass to bring uh, coffee to this cold fall event. So we knew that if we got there, we'd make some good money. So we got our, our health card permits, and we got the coffee machine ready. But you have to have power to run an espresso machine. They have lots of pull on those, on a lot of amps to, to, on those espresso machines. So I had to go rent a generator because it was in a park. The challenge was you have to fit the generator side, the pieces, connect them with a, some sort of cables to the right pieces on your espresso machine. Now, when you look at those generators, they have all different kinds of in, uh, uh, outlets and things. I just couldn't get them to fit the right way. So now we're buying parts and we're changing cables and all this. And 
I couldn't even find the right generator in town, and pretty soon it's going to be Saturday. So I'm Thursday. I'm Friday. I'm driving around town trying to solve this problem. Well, it comes to Friday, and I went into the pastor's office with one of the other youth pastors, and I said, you know what? I can't get this thing to work. I can't get the right connection. So I don't think we're going to do it. I think we're just going to not do this fundraiser. And the pastors, they kind of laughed at me. They said, you're having so much trouble doing this. This means that you're supposed to do it. Don't give up. Just keep going. I said, really? I thought this is when you quit. And they're like, no, this means you're supposed to do it. I said, oh. So I just kept going. And sure enough, we just kept going until we got the right plug in the right socket. And we, we even drove down the road. I remember we forgot to attach the generator on the pull-behind trailer correctly to the truck. So I'm driving down like the, the road, and all of a sudden I hear this noise. And it had popped off the ball joint and hit the thing. The cables were on it, so it didn't go flying off. But I knew we were up against something, so I got out of the car. We hooked it up properly, put the pin in, drove to the next town, and we had a great event, sold tons of coffee, made a lot of money for the interns and for the young adults. It was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you what, I, I could have so easily given up because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that trials, you actually push through and you go for the connection when it's difficult. That's not when you give up. So our words can give people power, or um, the other side. Now, here's a question. Are you a safe person to talk to? Can people come to you and share their heart? Or do they come to you like this? I am not saying anything to that person. Do they have their walls up when they come to you because of previous poor experience? See, how people feel is how you treated them the last time they were with you. Now, if they have extra grace for you, they'll give you a second chance. But how many times can you break people's trust and they're going to want to be in your presence? Have you ever told someone your dreams and they didn't handle it appropriately? I remember coming back from a conference. I was high as a kite on Jesus. It was so fun. I was so filled up with his spirit. I was way up on the mountaintop, and I came back to my friends at university. We sat down at the table in the cafeteria, and I would just blab on all these stories and testimonies, and I was just high, high, high. And one of my friends turned to me and said, you know what? I don't believe God does that. I don't believe God does that. I believe you didn't hear God, and I don't think that's right. And you know what happened to my spirit and my heart? It was like this tile. Try that again. It was like this tile. There we go. I thought it'd break the first time. It really hurt me. You know, I could still tell you how I feel right now, how I felt then. Because, see, I had opened my heart to someone, and they took a knife and got me when I was vulnerable. When you're a person of life talk... People can come to you, and they can tell you their heart, their surprises, and their secrets, and you're a safe place. Let's talk about how to affirm people and build them up. Number one, I think one of the best ways to build people up is through questions. It's funny. We don't think of questions as as how you edify people, but really how you build them up is you ask appropriate questions. Some of my favorite questions are when, you, when I meet people, whether they're my friends or strangers, you ask them where they grew up. Tell me about your family. 
And all of a sudden, people's guards come down a little bit. When I was in uh, PEI last weekend, there was, I was surrounded by different pastors. And one of the, uh, ch- there was a, a lady there that was a uh, children's pastor. And I said, what kind of season are you going through right now? Like, are, how are you feeling about ministry? Are you, are you really happy with your at? Do you sense a change coming or a transition? And then you wait, and all of a sudden she just started opening her heart. She goes, you know, I'm in a transition. I said, interesting, tell me about that. You ask another question. They share a little bit, and then the Lord gave me a word for her. But I just quietly gave this little word. I said, just remember, as you go through this transition, it was just a positive encouragement. And she said, wow, I really needed to hear that today. That really means a lot to me. But all it was, you have to start with a question to get there to the opportunity to speak life sometimes into people is ask the questions first. Of course, an easy one to ask is what's your spiritual journey? Because it doesn't matter if they're Christian or not. You can ask anyone what their spiritual journey is. And most of the time, they have a really good story to tell you. Which brings me to the next point is active listening is what edifies people. When we actively listen, we focus on the face, not on electronics. How many of you have been in that discussion where the person's spending more time on electronics than talking to you? The worst for me is don't ever take me to a restaurant that has all those TVs. Because you're supposed to be listening and sitting there talking to your, your wife or your family and then your favorite football teams, like 70 inches right behind your shoulder, and you're watching it, and you're going like this, and you're, they're talking to you, and you're, uh-huh, yeah, oh, no, fumble, you know, and they're like, are you even listening? Oh, yeah, you know, and there's like 10 TVs in there. There's no way I can focus. I'm just visual like that. I know that I've messed up when my wife says, did you hear what I said? And I'm looking at my phone, huh, yeah, and I remember like the two words of the last part of the sentence. And then I have to put the phone down, show respect, look at her, and listen. That's not on her. That's on me. It's called connection. And you can't have connection when you're trying to do two things at once. Now, some of you can multitask. I want to challenge most of you. Don't try to multitask when it comes to people because it shows more respect when you treat them right one-on-one. You know, sometimes I find that words, and this is something that's a challenge in our culture right now. Do you ever feel like words, uh, what I'm going to do here is, do you ever, do you have friends that their words are a little bit cutting? You know, when I grew up, the funniest person was often the most popular. So growing up in school, if you could tell the most jokes at other people's expense or be the most sarcastic or be the most quick-witted, you had the most friends. The damage that you leave on people because you want to be popular and funny is at someone else's expense. So as a church, corporately, when we are in the community, we don't ever use words that cut people down. It's not time to bring up their trash and garbage, okay? Let them take their own trash and garbage to the Lord 
to their counselor, to their safe person. Now, if they come to you with their trash and garbage, you listen, you pray with them, they ask for forgiveness, and you move on. But you don't get a right to cut people down because you think it's funny. We joke in our family, we call it scarcasm, because sarcasm covers something, and you can scar people with your humor because it's at their expense, not yours. And here's how you overcome people like that in your life. And it's a practice here. We're, we're, this is discipleship. We're working it out. So when someone comes to you and puts a dig in you trying to be funny, and it's sarcasm or kind of a joke, but the joke is half truth, and they're really trying to be passive-aggressive with you, what you do is you turn around and you bless them. You come in the opposite spirit. You come with the heart of Jesus, and you say, you know, it's really good to see you too. It's a great day. You're looking good today. They go, what? They like, the whole face stops. If you bring a compliment that's honest and loving, when they bring something cutting against you, it turns the engines off. They kind of look at you, well, I was only joking. No, no, it's fine. I just, you know, it's good to see you and smile. Now, don't lie to them. Don't flatter them. Just speak the truth in love. And it disengages people out of their trap. Because most people were raised that way, so I'm not blaming them. They think That's just culture. If you watch TV, everyone's just making fun of each other and cutting each other down. That's popular right now, but that's not the Jesus model. So when we affirm people, I want to challenge you to speak life by affirming their talents, their skills, their strengths, and their choices. Like, if I was to come to Pastor Tammy here, I'd say, Tammy, I really appreciate how, how good you are at hospitality and loving people by uh, having us into your home and blessing us on the holidays and how intentional you are at parenting your family. You, you really focus and you make it a prayer thing. You even pray for my family. Thank you for being that kind of woman and, and that kind of leader in our church. And, and you know what? You do it with a smile. So thank you for your good attitude. Affirmation is truthful, it's specific, it's focused. Don't ever add flattery to it. Have you ever seen someone add flattery on the back end and it's way too much? And all, all of a sudden everyone feels awkward because you know it, they're just blabbing to try to fit in. Or t- don't, don't add flattery to anything because it takes away the truthfulness of your comment. But be very specific. Specifics count. Next time you tell someone you love them, Don't stop there. Say, I love you, and then add because. Describe to your children why you love them. Describe to your spouse or your friends or your parents why you love them. Well, a person like me who has words of affirmation, it's more the why behind the words. I love you because. And you've heard this many times at our church, but let's just be reminded When we're talking with people, we dig for the gold, not for the dirt. Dig for the gold in people. That's their treasure. That's their special, awesome part of their life. They're unique, made in the image of God. So when you're talking with someone, dig in for the gold. And when you find it, publicly say it in an appropriate way. It might be to them. It might be to their boss. It might be to their spouse. It might be to their friends. Dig for the gold, not for the dirt. Leave the dirt alone. If you see dirt on someone... Leave it there unless they want you to come into their life and help, 
help you with it because you've probably got enough dirt in our own life. I've got enough dirt in my own life to work on before getting into everybody else's business. Dig for the dirt. No, don't dig for the dirt. Dig for the gold, not the dirt. Dirt's easy to dig for, isn't it? It's everywhere. But gold, you got to work at a little bit. Okay, next slide. Are you an elevator or a wrecking ball? Okay. Now, this is not for professional use, I've learned. Let's say you have a small plumbing problem at the house. You can go buy one of these. If you have a serious problem, call a professional plumber. Now, these little guys, they help decrease resistance, and they open your pipes up for what they're intended to do. That's what your words should do. You should be like this, helping people be who they're called to be. You have to open up channels with your words, not close them down. When people are around you, they should feel more like themselves. They should feel more capable to accomplish their goals. They should have access to the power of God from you. You're removing hurdles in their life. What hurdles are in your life right now? What is keeping you from achieving God's vision for your life? When you find out what those hurdles are, you can bring them not only to the Father in prayer, you begin to surround yourself with people who you trust and ask for help. And with their prayer and with their words and with their actions, hurdles begin to move. But I want to put the responsibility on you. It's not people's business to come in to get your hurdles out. You've got to invite people for help. How many of you is a challenge to ask for help? You know, same for me. I, I don't easily ask for help. I was raised, you do it on your own, you work hard, you get it done on your own. But in the Christian family, we're supposed to ask for help. Elevators take people places, right? You, in your words, should help people go places with God. People shouldn't get stuck when they're around you. If they're open to God, you're going to take them places. You're going to take them from A to B just by being in your presence. Now, the other side is the wrecking ball model. Now, I want to uh, show you a video by Miley Cyrus called Wrecking Ball, but not here at church. Now, I don't suggest that you play that one. It would be kind of funny, but not the repercussions. Do you come in like a wrecking ball into the situation? Do you come crashing into your relationships and leaving a pile of rubble behind you? Are you that person that says, you know, I don't care? Have you heard them say, uh, you know what, they just got to toughen up? That's their problem. I am who I am, and I'm not changing for nobody. And you come in, and you just boom, 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 boom. Looks like a battle scene. You're just taking people out, and then you move on to the next group. You leave people brokenhearted. That was a four-by-four. Four. Can't tell from that far. People's confidence is shattered if you come into their life like that. Remember, we are God's mouthpiece on earth. And I want to 
wrap it up here by giving yourself, give yourself a self-test this week or ask someone close to you that you trust who will give you an honest answer and say, do people trust me because of my words? Do people say, you hear this often? I'm not sure why I'm telling you this, but I'm going to say it anyways. That's a sign that you're a good listener. Now, as long as you're not going to turn that into gossip, it's a really good sign. As long as you shut the gossip valve off when it comes to your house, you shut it off. It can't go outside that conversation. But sometimes people need to, to tell somebody something. And they say, I don't even know. I just met you, but I have to share this. Or I feel better after having talked about it with you. In our family, we say, when someone tells you something confidential or private, you take the key, lock the vault, throw it in the mouth, swallow the key. It's never coming out. You don't talk about other people's stuff. My wife has a good term because when, when her girlfriends talk about things, they say, it's in the vault. It's in the vault. That means nobody knows. It's private. It's safe. It's in the vault. So let's review this life talk. If you're going to do life talk, you have to speak from your spirit, not from your flesh. And what that means is you're not going to be coming a good, positive speaker if you just try harder and say, today, I'm really going to focus on my words. I am not going to get angry today at work. And watch what happens. See, you know, the scriptures say your flesh is impossible to please God. Your carnal self before Jesus Christ, you can't solve your own problems. You need the spirit of God to change you from the inside. So my encouragement is before you have your meeting, before you go to work, before you have that interaction, you say, God, could you help speak through me today with your love? And then the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Remember, we speak to people's created value or worth. Some people are so tired of being loved for what they can do instead of who they are. So this, is, this goes a little bit deeper. This challenge is, I want you to love someone this week, not because of what they've done for you, but for who they are. See, now you're speaking to their, their inherent value as a human being. And it's easier to do for, like, my children. My children mess up many times, like I do. But I don't, that doesn't mean now I don't love my children. They're just kids. Guess what? As adults, we're big kids. So we need to think of people and not put them on the hook and say, you blew it, man. You're done. You say, you know what? I just love you for who you are. And I'm going to give you that second and third chance. You might have to put boundaries up, but you have room for them. We edify people for who they are apart from what they can or cannot do. And really what life talk is, it's practicing unconditional love with your words. Practicing unconditional love with your words is life talk. Because you choose to love them today and tomorrow and the future, not based on their performance. You still speak life over them, no matter what they, how they perform. It's unconditional. And when our church walks in unconditional life talk, believe me, the repercussions would be felt right here in this city because we refuse to tear people down. We refuse to scar people with our words. And when we do, we make it right. We go to them and humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Can everyone say good? What comes out of your mouth? Good comes out of our mouth. 
And we can confess that. This morning, it was so funny. Uh, Kate came in, and I was getting some breakfast ready, and she came down the stairs, and my daughter, who is uh, seven, she came and hugged, my, hugged me and said, Dad, God bless your heart. I said, well, thank you, Kate. God bless your heart. And then she went over to little Lucy, who's three, and she said, Lucy, God bless your heart. And Lucy said, no, don't touch me. And she goes, Lucy, this is a good thing. Lucy didn't want to be touched. But it's interesting. What's, what's, in, your, what's in your heart? What do you say? What comes out? You know the old saying, you, never, you know what's in a glass when you shake it or when it gets broken because the, whatever's inside has to come out. So if you were to fill this cup with water, which I didn't, and you shook it, whatever is in it is going to come out for, be, for better or for worse. So when your trials come and you get tested, I want you to know that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when you come to God and say, God, I trust your son Jesus Christ, come and live in my life. Forgive my sins. Be the Lord of my life. When you ask God in, and he makes his home in you, he begins to change your heart. And when you get shaken, goodness and love and mercy and forgiveness and peace come out of your words. And when they don't, when they don't, a few weeks ago, I was in one of those situations where goodness didn't come out of my mouth. I was at home. And I really blew it with my son, Spencer, who's nine. And I knew right away that I had blown it after it happened. And I just had to cool off, and he cooled off, and we came back to the room, and I humbled myself, and I said, Daddy blew it. Those kind of actions and words are not appropriate because anger came out. Now, you could blame my nine-year-old for my actions, or I could take responsibility in myself and say, no, I'm responsible for my actions, not my nine-year-old son. So now, when something comes out that is negative, I don't want to condemn you with that. All you have to do is now you know that there's something that God wants to work on. Because, see, God loves you. And when something comes out, you can now go to God in prayer and say, God, I notice now I have an anger problem. Can you shine your light on it and start working on me? Because I don't want to be that kind of person. So don't condemn yourself when something else comes out besides life talk. Make it right with that person. Then go to God or a trusted friend and invite him in to be the process of change. Can everyone stand with me as we close? We're about to enjoy a time of connection and fellowship over our chili luncheon. And you'll have plenty of opportunities to talk. I want you to practice during the luncheon speaking encouragement and life over whoever's sitting across the table from you. Find something specific. Find something about them. Ask good questions. Be active listeners. And the big challenge is take the electronics and set them aside. So we're going to practice over our lunch. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you can help us to speak life and not death. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and baptize us in your Holy Spirit so that we don't speak from anger or from brokenness or pain or suffering or sin 
Father, we ask that we would speak from the fountain of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives inside of us. Help every person here, Lord, to turn the corner on how they talk. Change our hearts, God. Cultivate in us a garden filled with the fruits of your Spirit so that when we speak, Lord, things pour out and show people what the kingdom of God is like. God, we thank you for this day. We pray a special blessing over our lunch. May it be awesome. May it be fun connecting. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. What we're going to do now, first of all, if you need prayer, please come forward and we'll be happy to pray for you. Second of all, we're going to tear down a lot of these chairs in the back and make room for the tables. If we could get your help to come out from underneath the stage. The other tables are back in the kids, by the kids' unit. We're going to set up and start after we're set up. Thank you.